Hey, welcome back, everybody. Hope you all had a great week. The Gridiron graduates are back in session. I'm your boy, Bill Rossetti. And back with me after being away last week is my buddy, Ian Wharton. Ian, what's going on, man? Glad to have you back. Yeah, yeah, glad to be back and uh, had uh, had my wisdom teeth pulled out this morning, so, which is, just, I mean, it's been fine. I feel pretty good, but, uh, you know, you always hear these horror stories about, you know, people being in great pain and stuff. I mean, I feel feel fine. It's just a little weird, you know, getting getting used to uh, missing those back, back teeth. So other than that, though, I mean, I'm enjoying my mashed potatoes and jello and <laughs> you know, glad combo, to finally. Yeah, yeah I, guess so. I guess so. Yeah, so, luckily, uh, I've never had to deal with that kind of pain. So I just uh, but I can understand the pain people go through with that. Uh, you do have all your fingers, though, right? I do. Okay. I, <laughs> yep. Just uh, lost my full full mouth of teeth. I just lost those four. So, uh, but at, it's really pain. not that bad. It, it's really not that bad, though. For anyone that is looking at getting that done, <clears throat> whether in the near future, or, you know, hopefully, hopefully your uh, experience will be as good as mine. Because it's just like a pressure. It's just just like a weird pressure of pulling. It's not. Right. It didn't hurt. So. Um, just more uncomfortable than anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, all right. So in any event, uh, jump back in it. Today, of course, was the deadline for franchise players to sign long-term contracts. Otherwise, they would have had to either play under the franchise tag or not play at all. And as we saw today, three of the four top guys who were still unsigned as franchise players did sign new contracts. The big money maker today was Justin Houston of the Chiefs, pretty much getting uh, JJ Watt, JJ Watt type money, six years, 101 million dollars, with 52 and a half million guaranteed. And as you know, Ian, if it wasn't for JJ Watt, Justin Houston certainly would have been in the discussion for Defensive Player of the Year with his 20 plus sacks. So, what, what's your take on this contract and? you know, going forward with the Chiefs? Uh, you know, I'm really glad that they got this deal done. You know, you look at the Chiefs, and that's a defense just loaded with playmakers. And I think this was a, was a must-do contract. I think there's some players in the league that, you know, regardless of, you know, the dollar amount, they are worth it. You know, you name the price, and they're worth it. J.J. Watt, you mentioned, I think he's he's that type of player. And Dominic Sue, I think he's that type of player. Um, you know, Justin Houston, I think, fits right in there. You know, there's not a lot of guys that I would put in that category outside of the quarterbacks because we don't see a lot of those huge contracts um, at other positions. Obviously, Calvin Johnson, his deal is still an albatross uh, compared to what everyone else in the league's getting. And, and we'll get to the, the new second tier of wide receivers shortly, but... You know, Houston's a guy that he is the ultimate creator as a pass rusher. Now there's guys similar to him across the league. There's Cameron Wake. There's Von Miller. You know, there's guys like that that are, are just absolute monsters. Houston is possibly the best of the best with the re- exception of Watt. And I think that for that team, for that situation, for that franchise that doesn't really have a standout quarterback, their offense is – somewhat suspect because of Alex Smith's limit, limit, limitations. Um, 
you know, that defense goes round with Justin Houston, and they added a whole lot of talent to that secondary this offseason. And obviously we're all praying that the Eric Berry gets back on the field healthy and, and, and gets back to form. Uh, if he does, uh, whether he does or doesn't, really, it's it's a tremendous unit. And if Barry can come back, that's an even better unit. I, I love the money. I th- I'm perfectly fine with the money. You know, six years. This is a guy that that came out of college with a failed drug test, fell to the third round, haven't had any issues with him since then. And I, I just think that this is the type of deal that you you really need on your team. You know, it sends a great message to the locker room, and it sends a clear message to the fans that they're there to win and they're there to build a long-term winner. And I think really the, the biggest question that for me comes out of this deal is what happens to Tamba Ali next. Mm-hmm. Ali's the next guy to get paid. Now you start to look at that D Ford pick a year ago and say, okay, then you know the Ford pick obviously wasn't for Justin Houston. I think the Ford pick may have been targeted more replacing Tamba Ali in due time. Yeah, I agree, and that's what I was thinking too. You know, lock up Houston because you know you're probably going to be losing Holly, and for Kansas City, they have to hope that D Ford can kind of come more into their own, his own and get more playing time. and And we'll discuss those players in a little bit because we'll be talking. AFC West a little bit later on the show, but I agree. This is definitely a, a good contract for a guy like Justin Houston. I mean, especially in a division like that where you're going up against, you know, even short-term Peyton Manning twice a year, Phillip Rivers twice a year, and even an up-and-coming Derek Carr. Like, there's some good quarterback play in this division, and Justin Houston is exactly what Kansas City needs to to stop those guys and be in contention in this division. Uh, the other guys that got paid today, of course, were the two wide receivers who, you know, reports were they were going to threaten to hold out. But as we know, deadlines spur everything. Des Bryant, Demarius Thomas, basically get similar contracts. They're both getting $70 million for five years, but Des gets a million and a half more guaranteed. 45 for Des, 43 and a half for Demarius. Uh, but the reports are saying now that Demarius will get $35 million fully guaranteed over the first two years. And really, these, these are two more contracts, I think, that had to get done. You know, the, the talk was there were some people asking who's more valuable to their team. And, you know, definitely Dez is – Dez, I would think, is a little more valuable only because that wide receiver depth chart for Dallas is very thin after Bryant. You know, I like Terrence Williams. He's not bad, but obviously he's not the caliber of Des Bryant. And then it really falls off after that. You know, Cole Beasley is maybe a poor man's poor man, Wes Welker. Yeah, like a homeless man's Wes yeah, Welker. Yeah, yeah, ho- <laughs> homeless man's Wes Welker. Uh, and then you know, maybe yeah, Devin, Street Devin Street. Devin Street, yeah. Guy. Now the. Hazelton kid and me likes Devin Street because, you know, my team played his team, Bethlehem Liberty, back in our high school days in the state playoffs, so we actually got got to see him a little bit back then, and obviously he did well in high school and did well at Pitt, but, you know, now that he's in the NFL, now he, you know, he's not obviously the big-time caliber, you know, that's why he's stuck as the fourth guy and why we're talking about him as a part of a thin receiving group and then after him who, who do you have aj jenkins yeah you know, mr draft bust himself so that's why des definitely needed to get done demarius to me 
yeah, he has Peyton Manning, and people are going to say, oh, well, you know, what's going to happen after Peyton leaves? Well, didn't Demarius do a lot of damage when Tim Tebow was a quarterback, too, and Kyle Orton? You know, so Demarius Thomas is still a monster, you know, freak of an athlete receiver himself. And it is definitely deserving of this money, too. You know, I, so I can understand why he was wanting to go after Calvin Munn because he's put up numbers. He is, you know, one of the key cogs of that offense. Even even when they had Eric Decker on the other side, even with Emmanuel Sanders there now, you know, he'll still be there. He'll still produce even after Peyton Manning leaves, you know, whoever the quarterback comes in after, whether it's Osweiler or whoever it could be. And... Locking up Thomas now, as others have mentioned, is going to allow Denver to tag Vaughn Miller next year if they want to. And, you know, you, you just talked about it earlier when we talked about Houston. You know, Vaughn Miller is one of those, you know, upper echelon pass rush guys that Denver's now going to have to try to lock up. So now that DT has his long-term contract, Denver has the tag available for Vaughn Miller if they if they need to use that. And, you know, if they do use that, we're doing this whole dance all over again next season. Right. And, and you know, Miller's a guy that you can't let leave. I think that he's he's proven himself to be, you know, one of the five premier defensive players, especially in the front seven. Uh, I, I think league-wide. He's just he, – the, what, what he does for that defense is just – no, there's not really anyone else in the league doing that. Um, his abilities in coverage, his ability as a pass rusher, you know, as great as Justin Houston is, and, and I was talking about with a fan um, earlier today that had mentioned something because I had mentioned, you know, Von Miller's got to be, uh, you know, pretty excited about that Justin Houston deal. Um, they're they're just different players. They're both tremendous players. I don't I don't really think you can rank one ahead of the other. I think they're just for what they do, they're both elite, and it's a good thing. I think that Denver showed that they're willing to pay their top playmakers. Um, I really like Demarius. I am kind of, I'm not anti-paying receiver, but I'm more inclined to say that you have to be careful with paying receiver. I thought the numbers for Demarius were good. I, I remember seeing like Calvin, like that these two receivers were both shooting for Calvin Johnson type numbers, um, which is just an, a, I mean, it, it is a crazy deal. Like, you look at what Calvin Johnson's getting compared to the rest of the league at wide receiver, and it's just it, – it's insane. I mean, I love Calvin Johnson, but it's, it really hurt the, the Detroit Lions, especially this year. They lost in Dominic Sue because of it. And, you know, I think Thomas – I think he got a good price. I think I think he's averaging like $14 million a year yeah. on this deal. That's probably the ceiling, I think, for what he should be paid – as good as he is, it's it's just difficult because you've got to find a way to pay an elite cornerback. You've got to find a way to pay an elite quarterback, right. elite tackle, elite pass rusher. I think all those positions clearly come before wide receiver as far as just supply and demand. I mean, there's not 64 quality starting tackles in the NFL, but you could argue that there are probably 50 or 60 receivers that you can do just fine winning with. I mean, we just saw Julian Edelman as the top receiver on the team uh, the year before that, uh, the Super Bowl winning team. The year before that was Golden Tate. 
So, I mean, those are still good receivers in their own right, but I don't think you need an elite receiver. I'm glad that Denver got Demaryius Thomas for the price that they did because I don't think that's a bad deal. I'm actually a little surprised that, that Des Bryant settled for that type of money because in my eyes, I think Des, if anyone was going to push for those Calvin numbers, I think Des was the type of talent that could have gotten there. He's just he's just a, uh, just a freak. Just an absolute freak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess these numbers are coming from the franchise tag this year was almost $13 million. If they were to play under that tag and then get tagged again next year, you're talking about $15 million. So I think this is where these players were trying to get at least the $14 million since this is what they were going to be averaging under these two tags anyway. So you know. Yeah, and that, and that's a really good job by the use of this of the tag. This is what the tag was meant for. The tag was meant for you use it on your best players, on your best free agents, and it's the bridge to the next long-term deal. It's not meant to really be that one-year limbo status where nobody's really winning except for the team. You know, this is a situation what's supposed to happen. It's supposed to help a long-term deal get done. Right. And that's what happens. So it's, it's just really good to see that. It's always great to see these guys getting paid. Like, I can't stress that enough. The players deserve this. They've earned this. And they're going to continue to earn this money. It's a shame that JPP, Jason Pierre-Paul, isn't a part of this group. He was offered five years, $60 million at the beginning of last month by the Giants, and he turned it down. Um which I think is kind of crazy considering that's really good market value for him. It's just a shame because we should all, we should all be rooting for these guys to get paid the sacrifice, their cut of what they've earned. I mean, we can talk about, you know, some people have said, well, you know, that's the franchise's money. No, it's not. It's the fans money. It's our money. We're the ones responsible for the big piece of the pie. And so it's good to see, you know, these guys that the best of the best go out there and get their cut of our of, as from a fan's perspective, the entertainment value that we have invested into, because that's obviously a player that provides a huge amount of entertainment. Uh, exactly, I, as, that's a great point. You know, the, these fans obviously want to see winners, so they want to see these teams go out and either get players or keep the players that have helped the team be successful. Now, hopefully for JPP, you know, he can try to regain some of the some of the form he had a couple of years ago that have, that made him an elite pass rusher. Obviously, it's going to be difficult now now that he has you know four fingers, but yeah, you know it's 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 obviously possible, and you know give him some time to rest, and we'll we'll see when he comes back. Obviously, you're not going to see him for a while. He's and his week one status is probably in question, but it'll be interesting to see how he comes back when he comes back, and. uh how he plays when he does come back. So with that in mind, I think it's time to jump into our division previews. Time to start talking about these teams. It's uh it's getting close, man. We got what, ten days from now, the first training camp's open. Are you excited? It's how fast it came. Yeah, it's I mean it, it it's 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 one of those things where <laughs> You feel like it's forever, you know, until it actually starts back up. But then once you're getting close, it's like, oh, maybe it wasn't that long. We were, <laughs> we were just at the draft. 
It's it, this is yeah. definitely the roughest stretch though, for sure. Between the draft and then the start of football again is definitely the, the yeah. roughest stretch. You know, you got a little bit of NBA if you're into NBA, um, and then you start to get into baseball if you're into baseball. But you know, I love the NBA, but I've kind of drifted back from baseball. So this little stretch here has really been an errand time of the year for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my girlfriend, she's a teacher, so. Uh, you know, she's off for the summer, so I'm like, okay, if there's anything you want to get done, <laughs> get it done before training camp, <laughs> and I have no problem. Get it I done mean. now because our Sundays are booked for 20 yeah, weeks. absolutely. So get Saturdays, it done now. In the... Sundays, that's right. And if, if you want about... Sundays, you have six weeks or so to do so. Speaking, of, right. speaking of baseball, though, that home run derby was exciting. I don't know if you got the chance to catch a little bit of it but I, I really enjoyed it i thought it brought a lot more drama to the derby that we haven't seen in quite some time i, I really liked the new format especially the final that, that was an exciting final between uh um todd frazier and jock peterson yeah i did catch i did catch a little bit of it definitely added a little bit more to it which is nice i, I hope that the nba follows suit and uh and kind of changes the way the dunk contest is is ran. I mean, these these are really fun events if they're if they're formatted correctly. Yeah. And just the just the competition, the entertainment was just out of this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I hate to say I like I you I haven't watched the whole dunk contest in years. I just find it. Oh, it's terrible. I don't know. I, I just can't get into it anymore. No, it's it's been it's been terrible. So, but in any event, back to football. So we're going to start with the AFC West. We're going to try to knock out two divisions over these next couple shows, just kind of dig into the teams. And, you know, at, at the end, we'll pick a division winner. And throughout the season, at the end of the season, we can look back and either pat ourselves on the back or laugh at each laugh in each other's face at how wrong we were. Uh, so we'll start with the AFC West, and we'll start with the Oakland Raiders. 4-12 and last season. Obviously, last in the AFC West. Certainly, uh, they were pretty busy this offseason, bringing in quite a number of free agents. Guys like Nate Allen, Michael Crabtree, Roy Halu, and, you know, Mr. Uh, running back himself, Trent Richardson, everybody's favorite guy to make fun of anymore. <laughs> uh, Dan Williams, another big pickup. Uh, some of the key losses for them, uh, you know, Tyvon Branch is gone, and re- really, you look at the list of departures, and none are really all that significant. Right. You know, maybe Stefan Wisniewski. Yeah. The, and this was before Rodney Hudson, so, you know, a lot of these guys that they lost, they either replaced or didn't feel they really needed to upgrade. Um so let's talk about the Raiders a little bit, and, you know, this certainly seems like a team that's finally coming on the rise a little bit. I think they're finally starting to hit on some of these draft picks, which has been a problem for this team uh, for the last couple of years. I think Reggie McKenzie is finally starting to figure it out. Obviously, last year, he hit the home run with Khalil Mack. You, uh, they got themselves a good quarterback in their car last season. Gabe Jackson has been a stud, you know, an absolute stud at guard in his rookie season. He's just going to continue to be a mauler. Love him at left guard. Uh, 
And then even this year, you know, obviously Amari Cooper looks like it could be another home run hit. Finally, the receiver the Raiders need. Uh, Mario Edwards, they hope, is going to bring some pass rush. So looking at this Raiders team, um, obviously we're not expecting anything big. But, you know, what what can we expect from this Raiders team? You know, how competitive can they be? What are you excited to watch out, out of them? I, I, obviously we're going to see, I think, a more competitive team than we did last year that a new offensive coordinator um, moving on from uh, Greg Olson, I think was the right move. Derek Carr, he had a good rookie season, but you know, a lot of his games were filled with dump off passes. He wasn't really challenged. It was just more of the same of the Fresno state offense that, that really limited him. And he's got more talent than that. He has more arm talent than that. I think Bill Musgrave has to kind of emphasize that and go vertical more often it's just the strength of strength of cars, and it's going to fit Amari Cooper. It's going to fit uh, guys like Rod Streeter, Andre Holmes. Um, depending on how healthy Crabtree is, potentially Michael Crabtree. The offensive line isn't great, but the addition of Rodney Hudson is. And then next to Gabe Jackson, that's that's definitely a buildable duo uh, for the future. It, the running back really does scare me. I think Roy Hallou is going to be a guy that. Uh, probably overtakes this, maybe not the necessarily quote unquote starter's job, but I think he's going to play a ton, which matters maybe more than who's starting the game in the backfield. Um, I'm not a big Lat- Lat- Latvius Murray fan. Um, obviously, Trent Richardson, he hasn't shown anything. So, offensively, I think this is going to be a little bit more of a dynamic team. It should be. It should because Carr can possibly be a dynamic quarterback, and they need to fig- figure that out sooner than later. Mm-hmm. They can't just kind of hide him away and do dump off passes um, with five yard per average throw. That's just ridiculous for a guy with that type of arm. This is the type of team that they're going to be in more games. The question is, you know, can they close out, and can this young group of people stand, you know, kind of step up a little bit and maybe increase that win total to six or seven. I think that's a really good goal for them. That's seven wins defensively. I'm worried because as much as I like some of these, some of these pickups, I like the Dan Williams signing. I like Justin Tuck. He played pretty decently last year. Khalil Mack is obviously a superstar. Um, Curtis Lofton was a nice, nice buy low signing this off season. He was bad last year for new Orleans, but everyone was bad in new Orleans last year outside of junior Gillette uh, and Cameron Jordan or Jordan Cameron, sorry. And I think that Lofton could be a sneaky signing. The secondary, they've got to figure something out. Charles Woodson's still fantastic. Um, But DJ Hayden, Travis Carey, Jonathan Dowling, these are talented players that haven't shown anything really yet. Carey showed a little bit more promise than Hayden, I thought, last year, which is in one way exciting because that's a seventh-round pick that you're hitting on. Uh, on the other hand, that's a 2013 first-round pick that is really still struggling. So, yeah. you know, this this roster is getting closer. I have a little bit of a problem with their pass rush. All their pass rush is basically going to come from Justin Tuck, Khalil Mack, and C.O. Moore. But the problem is that two of those guys are linebackers. So it's just a weird fit of talent. I, I really kind of wish they would have taken Vic Beasley, number four overall, instead of Amari Cooper. Um that's just kind of my own philosophy on roster building, but this is a good team. I, I think seven wins is the goal here. I don't, I don't know if they get there, but I, I want to see this roster hit seven wins this year. 
Yeah, I'm with you there. I think six or seven is probably around where this team's looking. Uh, and, and I agree with you, you know, in talking about the secondary. They have to hope that DJ Hayden finally starts to develop and can actually stay on the field because obviously injuries have hampered him the last couple of years. And like like you said, this is the first-round pick. Uh first round pick riding so if Hayden can't produce you know that that could set him back a little bit but you know they have guys like Keith McGill like you said was wasn't bad and Travis Carey so there, there is talent they just have to continue to develop continue to produce um, and talking and you know seeing people tweeting and all that doesn't seem to be a lot of love for Mario Edwards so yeah, you have to like, like you mentioned, you have to wonder where the pass rush is going to come from. Obviously, Mac's going to be one of those guys, and maybe Tuck. Um, Nate Allen, I'll be interested to see him. Obviously, following him in Philadelphia, he's certainly had an up and down career. More down recently, you know, the injury he suffered a couple years ago, you know, because he was really good before his injury a couple years ago. After that, he's kind of been struggling so it's going to be interesting to see how he works with Oakland uh, and going back to the offense you know you, you mentioned Carr hopefully de- developing a little bit there's a lot of love it seems for their third round pick in Clive Walford who you know might step up and kind of challenge Michael Rivera and maybe even be the number one guy obviously you've covered a lot of college football you're big into the draft. Talk a little bit about Clive Walford and what he could potentially bring to this offense. I really like that pick. And this is a team with Michael Rivera um, also at the position. So they've got a couple receivers now uh, at tight end. Walford's a guy you can line up in the slot. Uh, you can line up in line. He's a pretty decent blocker, especially in his own blocking scheme. Uh, that's what he came from in Miami. I think that's – it's not really what Oakland employs. Uh, they're kind of a mix of power and, and – zone blocking uh, more so a little bit more power than anything, but that's okay. You know, it's still an inline blocker that you can utilize. You can, like I said, I really like him in the slot though, or as a downfield receiver, he's not blazing fast, but he's got, he plays bigger than what he is. And he's pretty quick outside of his cuts. So he can separate a little bit from safeties. He can definitely separate from linebackers. I think this is a guy that, that can really overtake the starting job this season or at least be a, a solid role player. You know, the Raiders lack that third option. They've got two pretty good starting receivers. I like Amari Cooper a lot. I still like Crabtree a lot. I don't think he's, you know, that low-end number one anymore, but I think he can still be a solid number two, uh, you know, as health-permitting, of course. But I think Wolford's that type of player that, that whether he's in line or in the slot or even lining up at fullback in motion coming out of the backfield, he's a player you can do a lot of things with and you can excel with him. I think he's going to really fit with Carr. Uh, I think that's a good match of skills, and I think they're going to develop chemistry fairly well. All right, so it sounds like we're in agreement. This is probably a six or seven win team, but things are starting to look up finally for this Oakland Raider franchise. Uh, let's let's move on now and talk about the San Diego Superchargers. 
nine and seven last year, missed the playoffs and coach Mike McCoy's second year and certainly coming off an interesting off season, more so before the draft when there was all the smoke screen and all the rumors about possibly trading Phillip Rivers to Tennessee for the number two pick in which we assume San Diego would have taken Marcus Mariota, but they didn't. They end up moving up two spots to 15 to take Melvin Gordon and then, you know, picked up some other decent players. They only had five players actually in their draft class, uh, but their first two I think were guys that are really good players and could definitely be immediate impact. Gordon, as I mentioned, and then their second round pick, Denzel Perryman. And then looking at some of their free agents, the big free agent signing, at least for me, was Orlando Franklin. I, I thought he was a really good guard last season in Denver. He struggled a little bit the season, two seasons ago when he played tackle, but last season kicked him inside the guard, was outstanding. Guard was certainly a position in need for San Diego as his offensive line was a little bit in flux. Now you have Franklin you know, as, as a solid left guard. King Dunlap has certainly come into his own at left tackle. DJ Fluker is still a pretty good lineman that you could play either guard or tackle. So it's, that's, a, that's a group that's starting to improve a little bit. Uh, Stevie Johnson going to be another underrated free agent signing, I think. Yeah, especially, I, love that. I love that signing. Especially with the uh, departure of Eddie Royal. Uh, as far as losses, again, you, you look through you look through maybe not many, well, a couple that they might feel, like Marcus Gilchrist now with the Jets. We'll see how they recover from that. Ryan Matthews is gone, but obviously, like I just said, they drafted Melvin Gordon. He's now in Philly. Eddie Royal is now in Chicago. Sharice Wright is in San Francisco, so we'll see how the secondary does. But with this team, it all starts with the quarterback, Phillip Rivers, and Rivers was certainly a tale of two seasons last year. Started off pretty strong first half of the season, but then as uh, Sigmund Bloom put it a couple weeks ago, pretty much disappeared into the Bermuda Triangle when they went down to Miami, and his numbers went down after that, and that's probably one of the reasons why San Diego ended up missing the playoffs last season and finishing third in the division. So what's your take on the... 2015 Chargers. I want to really be optimistic about this team. Um, like I said, I, I love the Stevie Johnson signing. Um, Joe Barksdale was a late free agent addition as well to that offensive line. Um, like you mentioned, Orlando Franklin, very good guard. Um, Melvin Gordon could be extremely explosive and more, a little bit more reliable than, than Ryan Matthews in the past few years. But I look at that defense and I'm really worried. You know, I've done a couple power rankings lists this offseason for Bleacher Report, and between pass rushers and linebacker crew as a whole, the Chargers do not rank well. They are one of the bottom two teams, I think, in both those areas. And it, it's just a unit that really lacks a punch in that front seven. Uh, you know, Corey Legit is a nice player but he's really nothing to write home about. Uh, that's not really a player that you can build much around. You need a lot more around him to, to be something special in the front seven. 
Now, the secondary is very good. They've got an elite free safety in Eric Weddle for one more year. Um, they've got Jason Verrett. If he can ever stay healthy, he's going to be tremendous. And then Brandon Flowers, who's still one of the better uh, veteran cornerbacks in the league. It's just difficult because they're in a bad spot because they're having to cover guys for much longer than what they should. And it's hard to be optimistic about a team in this division. You know, you've got some very good defenses in this division. And the Chargers aren't one of them. So I just, I worry about them. I don't think this is a playoff team because of that. Ultimately, as as good as Phillip Rivers can be, like you mentioned, he's just... He's just not quite 16 game consistent with his performances. And that's okay. I mean, if, if, if he, if he plays his best for 12 games, this might be a nine or 10 win team. He's that good to carry a team, a roster. But the problem is, is that he hasn't done that in a long time. And I'm, I'm just not sure that he's going to be able to do it this year with the Chiefs and the Broncos still lurking in the division. Are we finally going to see a breakout from Ladarius Green? Because, of course, the big news that we haven't got a chance to talk about, but we'll do so now. Antonio Gates is out for the first four games for, with with a suspension. Everybody's been clamoring for Ladar- Ladarius Green's breakout. Here's his chance. And these are two guys that are both in contract here, so... These four games might be a bit of an audition for Green, not just for the rest of this season, but for next season when he's going for a new contract, whether that's still in San Diego or whether that's with another team. I'm excited to finally see him get going because I, I've been I've liked him you know the last couple of years and have wanted him to get a bigger role, but he just has never gotten a chance to get that big role. Now he now he finally does. And well, so what do you think on Green? Can can he, you know, can, can he fill Gates's role? I mean, he, he he obviously can't be Antonio Gates, but is he good enough to, you know, carve himself out a bigger role when Antonio Gates comes back? Uh, you know, I was one of the guys last year. I I wrote an article, whole film breakdown on on why 2014 was going to be the year for Ladarius Green. And, you know, I'm one of those guys that got not necessarily caught up in the hype. I, I think the hype is deserved. But I thought that his opportunity would be greater uh, than really what it is, what it was and what it what it is uh, as it currently stands um, for when Gates comes back. I, I just – I don't think that he's ever going to be that clear-cut starter. I, I, you know, as good as he can be – I should say, as long as um, Antonio Gates is on the roster, I just don't think that they're gonna they're gonna give him that type of role as much as we all want to see it. Especially adding in Stevie Johnson, I, I don't see this as I don't see this an opportunity to be a breakout tight end, um, especially if you're gonna be looking for fantasy. I just couldn't recommend it. I got burned on it last year. Maybe that's creating a little bit more uh, of a bias, but. Um, Skill set wise, I think he has the talent. I just don't think opportunity wise, it's going to be there. I think it was Sigmund Bloom, and you know, 
if Sig's listening to this, he's going to be happy. I keep mentioning his name. I think, or no, actually, no, I think it was uh, Rum for Johnny, actually. I'm sorry. It was Rum for Johnny. I was listening to one of his podcasts. He mentioned one of his drafts. He actually doubled up on both San Diego tight ends. So I think if we're talking fantasy tight ends, I, I think that's an interesting strategy to use is to double up on the San Diego tight ends. That way you have green for the first four weeks and then you can just slide Gates right in there come week five and just kind of watch and see what plays out. You know, if, if green gets that bigger role, then you have him. If he's in the back burner like he has been the last couple of years and you just throw Gates in there. So San Diego is certainly going to be an, an interesting to, team watch and an uh, interesting team to watch, excuse me, and Unfortunately, it's been that way the last couple of years, I think, with them. They've always been a team that's had the talent, just have never been able to put it all together and really be successful in the regular season and the postseason. You know, in recent years, the only time we've seen them really do well was that year they went 14-2. and two, But unfortunately, they were what, one and done, I think, in the playoffs that year. They were bounced in their first game. So... But of course, that was under the uh, watchful eye of the great A.J. Smith. Now, obviously, a different era, but it still feels like it's kind of the same way. I think this is more talented of a team than they let on. Like It feels like they should be winning more than nine games a season, but it just seems like that's where they're stuck at, nine or ten wins. Right. And that's probably what they're looking at again this season uh so we'll we'll see what happens with the, with san diego uh and you, you mentioned the secondary obviously a, a tough call right out of the gate they got to face calvin johnson who we mentioned before they got to face him in the lines week one so certainly uh certainly not easy right out of the gate So, halfway through the AFC West, let's move on. And we obviously talked about this team. Oh, real quick. Uh, sorry, real quick. Uh, what, what's your what's your projected win total on San Diego? I like, like I said, I feel like they should be winning more than nine or ten games because it, it just seems like that's the talent level is like that, but. It just feels like it's going to be another. I'll I'll say ten and six. Okay. I feel a ten win season for them. Is that is that the, is that going to be your wild card? One of your wild card teams? It it might be. I'm actually. Eh, I'm kind of thinking of them as a sneaky pick for the division actually because. Okay. As we'll, as we'll talk a little bit. Denver to me is kind of falling back. Kansas City's kind of, eh. So. They might be a nine or ten win team, but they might also be in contention to uh, to win this division. Yeah, no, I could easily see that. So. Just wanted, yeah, I agree. Just wanted to yeah. make sure we get that. I'm I'm kind of with you. I'm going to take eight wins for them. Um, it's going to be very close games. It's one of those situations, and I saw I thought this for the Miami Dolphins uh, last year, where literally. Uh, it's going to be one of those situations where you've got a fumble goes this way, a missed field goals that way, 
And this is a team that you could be looking at that either gets eight wins or ten wins. Mm-hmm. I totally think it's that type of team. I'm just going to go a little pessimistic, like I said, because I'm not in love with that defense. I don't think they're going to be the ones getting that fumble when they need it or going to be blocking that kick when they have to. Yeah. And, again, we talked defense, and I mentioned they faced the Lions week one, and then they got to face A.J. Green week two, and then a good Vikings team week three. So that that early stretch could be telling for the Chargers. Yep, absolutely. All right. Moving on, we'll talk about now, like I said, we talked about them a little bit in vain. We'll talk about Justin Houston, the Kansas City Chiefs, and Captain Checkdown himself, Alex Smith. Yep. Also coming off a 9-7 and seven season like the Chargers. Um, and I think, as you had just mentioned earlier, added some good talent in the secondary. Uh, Marcus Peters, round one. Uh, uh, underrated receiver, I think, and Chris Conley, who could have could be another guy that has immediate impact. Uh, and then looking at their some of their free agents, obviously the big one is Jeremy Macklin uh, teaming back up with Andy Reid. And as we all know the stat from last season, a whopping – Zero touchdown receptions from wide receivers, which is it's quite still am- <laughs> it's quite amazing. <laughs> it's still yeah, it's still baffling that in this age of modern football, where passing has become so relevant in the game, and where pass where the rules really favor the offense and the passing game. It's amazing how not a single receiver, and yeah, it, it obviously wasn't a great wide receiving group, but it was good enough. <laughs> yeah, it, it should it should still be good enough to catch at least one touchdown pass out of sixteen games. You know, the fact that they had absolutely none is mind blowing. Yeah, definitely alarming. But they brought in Jeremy Macklin to hopefully. Hopefully, uh, fix that to say the least. Dwayne Bow, of course, now is in Cleveland. Anthony Fasano's in Tennessee, but you still got a stud tight end in uh, Travis Kelsey. Uh, a couple other free agents they brought in Tyvon Branch from Oakland and Paul Fanica in Arizona. Other than the obvious of, like I said, Captain Checkdown, Alex Smith, I think one of the big question marks with this team is offensive line. We mentioned Rodney Hudson. That that might be one of their biggest free agent losses, I think, is Rodney Hudson. Because now, how do they fill in that gap at center? Do they go with Eric Cush, third-year pro? Or do they plug in the rookie, Mitch Morse? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I've seen both guys earn snaps. Um, losing... Hudson is is potentially a big a big loss. I mean, he's one of the finest centers in the NFL, and that's already a line that has a lot of issues on it. Um, you know, you're looking from left tackle to right tackle. There are, I think, the guards are good. I think Ben Grubbs is good. Uh, Jeff Allen, when healthy, I think he's he's a pretty decent starter. 
Um, but everyone else has a big question mark on their back. Eric Fisher struggled a lot in his first two seasons. Um, we don't know who's going to start at center. And Donald Stevenson has has some decent moments. He's a really good athlete. Um, but overall, you know, what do they have with him? It, it's hard to say because they just refused to play him at times last year. So, you know, overall, that's definitely the offense is really worrisome. I mean, Jamal Charles is going to get his, but man, Alex Smith is so bad. Alex Smith is so bad. He just he he literally hamstrings that offense to the point where they can't do anything but you know slants, comebacks, and and have him scramble around. So they've got the pieces to be a really good unit. They just need a quarterback and to get some decent play from their offensive line. Um, you know, it's kind of the opposite of the San Diego Chargers. So it's kind of comical that the, these two teams are going to be fighting for either the second, first, second, or third spots in the division. Mm-hmm. And I think they're all going to be fairly close. And that's the interesting thing about the AFC West. All these, you know, pr- pretty good to good teams. Could could go in any order as, as far as one, two, three. I think any of these teams can win it. Anybody can finish as low as third. Uh, and how many times have we seen teams with subpar quarterback play? Now, and I know people are going to listen to this and they're going to be like, you know, they're going to argue for Alex Smith and say all the good things about him. But, I mean, c- come on. When yeah. you can't, when you throw Please. the ball past 20 yards, <laughs> what? Five please, times a game. Please enter my. Well, I mean, it's really like even one time a game. He really doesn't go downfield at all. And, and yeah, I, I guess I should say five times a month, not five yeah, times a week. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's and it's funny, but it's it's really sad actually to to watch them play because you know Albert Wilson is a good receiver. Um, Jason Avant serviceable. Jeremy Macklin now and D'Anthony Thomas can split time there. Chris Conley's been killing it in in OTAs. This is a team that has the weapons, especially now uh, that they've upgraded a few of these spots and, and found a gem in Albert Wilson. It's just, please enter my mentions if you're an Alex Smith fan, because you're going to look silly. You're really going to look silly. There's just, there's not really much of an argument left for him at this point. He doesn't do anything well uh, outside of, I mean, people are going to say accurate passes, but when you're throwing all passes underneath 10 yards... Yeah, when you throw five-yard passes in the NFL, I'd hope you would be accurate. You're right. You're kind of expected to do that. Right. So it's just, if they can get a dynamic quarterback in the 2016 draft, and I know we're jumping ahead of season here. That's okay. I, I, love, I love this team much more, you know, if they even had a guy that's more inconsistent. Like, I'd be fine with the more inconsistent quarterback that's at least willing to take chances, Mm -hmm. that's willing to push the envelope. And there's a bunch of guys in the 2016 draft I think can do that. I think this this time next year may have a little bit more uh, of of an optimistic look at this offense uh, if they can add a quarterback. Because to me, that's the only real big weakness weakness on this team, even with all that being said about what I said about the offensive line, because I think a good quarterback can help overcome those issues. And... Uh, we, the NFL has announced today when next year's draft will be, so it's it's okay to jump ahead because at least we know when the draft is going to be, and we can already kind of talk about it. And hey, it's actually going to be in, all in April for once again. Yep. Now, obviously, it's not what 
a lot of people want. They'd rather it like the first week of April, but we take what we can get. But yeah, evaluators are definitely happy <laughs> with those extra couple weeks. Oh yeah, evaluators <laughs> are a, happy, but makes a big difference. Casual fans are tired of the uh, the constant stories and the constant you know back and forth bickering on players, and it's like how much can we take? Right. Uh, but but yeah, you know. Alex Smith is is really, un- unfortunately, the guy holding this team back. And how many times have we seen teams have a talented roster everywhere else on the field except that one spot? And how many times has that kept that team from missing the playoffs? Look at the Houston Texans last year. Turned into a talented roster all across the field except one important position. And that's why they missed the playoffs. Buffalo could be that same team this year. Kansas City could be a team like that this year. That's why, you know, to me, they're looking like maybe an eight and eight, nine and seven. I'm going to say nine and seven. You know, kind of be nice, give them a winning record, because, and that's where they've been the last couple of years. But this could be another situation where, you know, average to below average quarterback play is going to keep the team out of the playoffs, especially in a conference. You know, it, it doesn't seem as competitive compared to the NFC, but it's still a pretty good conference yeah. that it's going to have a bunch of teams fighting for playoff spots, like a Baltimore, like a Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Miami, yeah. the Jets, even throw Houston in there. So yeah. there's a lot of competition, you know, that, that could be hard to overcome with a team that doesn't have elite quarterback play like the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm with you. I, I think this is a nine-win team. Um, they've got some great defensive playmakers. I mean, this defense is just fantastic. And hopefully Derek Johnson returns in 2015 uh, back to 100% form. If he's not, obviously that's going to that's gonna change things a little bit because their inside linebacker position is really, really bad uh, without him. But, you know, they're secondary. They're still without Eric Berry. We don't know the status. Uh, on Barry for the season. Um, so their safety position is a little bit of question marks, but the cornerback position has no question marks. Sean Smith, he's suspended the first two games, but once he's back, he's one of the finest cornerbacks in the entire league. Um, Philip Gaines, very, very intriguing second-year cornerback. Marcus Peters, obviously my second overall player in the 2015 class. I, yeah, I, I was a huge Peters fan myself. Loved that pick. Absolutely, absolutely. I just I, I could not understand anyone that didn't love Peters. To be honest, he's just so physical, such a great playmaker um, on the ball. And then adding, adding Stephen Nelson in the third round was another great pick. So I think this is a defense that is championship caliber. I just worry a little bit about Derek Johnson's health, and then obviously I think Alex Smith holds him back. I don't think they make the playoffs, but I do think they do get to nine and seven on the year. Um, so I think that brings us to the Denver Broncos, who won the division last year, have been Super Bowl contenders ever since signing Peyton Manning in free agency two years ago. Um, this is a team that has kind of gone overgone a little bit of a, a makeover this offseason. They brought back Demarius Thomas, like we talked about, um, but they're losing some offensive line talent to injuries and in free agency. They're starting Ryan Harris at left tackle, Shelly Smith left guard, Gino Gradkowski at center. And then that obviously the, the loss of Ryan Clady at left tackle uh, pushes Chris Clark into the right tackle position. Um, 
this is an interesting team because you know Tyson Brelo may may end up starting their second round pick. Uh, Max Garcia, their fourth round pick, obviously could end up starting at center. It, it, it's just that this is a team that that there's a lot of turnover at basically the most crucial position on the team, which is offensive line. When you have Peyton Manning, who was completely immobile, uh, broke down at the end of last season to injuries. How worried are you about the offensive line for the Broncos? Because I know I'm extremely worried about that group. Yeah, uh, that's exactly my problem with Denver and why I think you know they're they're going to come down a little bit and why I mentioned why San Diego could be a bit of a pick to win this division because offensive line could be what holds this team back. You know, you mentioned the Ryan Clady injury, and it's unfortunate for Clady because he had been turning into a really good tackle, but now he has struggled with injuries. So now left tackle becomes a question mark. Right tackle is a question mark. Is it Clark? You know, is it a guy like Michael Schofield? You know, we we don't know. And again, we'll talk about all these defenses in the in this division. The Chiefs defense, even you know, the Raiders defense against these tackles might get a little bit of a pass rush. And you know, like, like you mentioned, it's not like we're talking about a guy like Cam Newton who's going to scramble out of the pocket and make plays. Peyton Manning at, what, 39 years old just can't move. And that's not too big of a knock on him. It's just, you know, old, old age is going to do that to you. And, you know, so that that's my problem with Denver. And this is really a make-or-break season, I think, for Denver. You know, new head coach under Gary Kubiak. And, and I think that's how they're probably going to take some of the pressure off Peyton Manning as well, is now that Gary Kubiak is in, you're probably going to look at a lot more running, a lot more zone scheme, which yeah. really is going to fit well for a guy like C.J. Anderson. Real fast guy, really broke onto the scene. And, I mean, we saw him a couple preseasons ago too, so we, we kind of saw him coming. He just needed the opportunity. Finally got it, and now he's – taking the starting job and he's running with it so i think you're probably going to see a lot more cj anderson than you have in you know the last couple of years under john fox but overall you know again i keep going back to that offensive line defense too i'm really interested to see how this team switches from the 4-3 to the 3-4 yeah um a guy like sly williams It'll be interesting to see how he does at 3-4 nose. The early reviews have, have been pretty positive. So we'll see what happens. And then, you know, Wade Phillips, obviously one of the greatest coaches of our generation. It can get talent out of really anybody. So, you know, bodes well for a guy like Williams, a guy like Derek Wolf. We've already discussed the pass rush. They have it. Vaughn Miller, DeMarcus Ware, even a guy like Shane Ray, who obviously, you know, th- I think this is a good position for him because – not a whole lot of pressure right away. They could sit him behind Miller, sit him behind Ware, you know, bring him in maybe on third down or be like a situational pass rusher early. Um, and Denver was obviously very high on him because I think they said he ha- they had him ranked in the teens. So they're really happy to move up a few spots um, to get Shane Ray. And then the secondary is, is still really good. Aqib Tlaib, you know, top corner, Chris Harris, or Excuse me. Um, yeah, Chris Harris. Sorry. Turned into an outstanding quarterback himself, and 
you know, I know this list doesn't mean a whole lot, but I have to mention it anyway. How was Chris Harris not a part of the NFL Top 100? Oh, it's embarrassing. I mean, this this is a guy that he's going to end up being one of the top cornerbacks um, in my personal project, um, covers productivity. It's it, just that's just a huge oversight, and it's it's a big reason why the NFL Top 100 is just completely flawed uh, from top to bottom. It just that's a that's a joke. I mean, that's that is literally to me one of the top three cornerbacks in the NFL. Uh, what he does on a weekly basis is basically matched by maybe one or two corners um, across the league. That's just that's just ridiculous. And it's why I really don't even watch. I mean, I'll I'll watch like bits and pieces and, and you know just yeah. kind of see the list just you know just just for giggles. You know, and we I, I you probably heard this last week. Dan and I kind of talked a little bit about because we were recording during the final episode, and we talked about how you know Rogers was number two, JJ Watt number one. You're kind of nitpicking at that point because I I think it's pretty safe to say that they are the two best players in the NFL. Uh, DeMarco Murray, obviously, you know, good that he's in Philadelphia, had a great season. He's not the fourth best player in the NFL. No way. If you're going to sit there and say after one season behind that kind of offensive line that DeMarco Murray is the fourth best player in the NFL, you're nuts. Right. Right. Uh, even just even just basing it off of last year, and that's just what in these general. Do. Even just if you're looking at it that, it's still flawed. It's still flawed. Yeah. But so yeah, overall, I I think this is certainly an interesting team. You know, to look at and look forward to, because really this could be it. This could be Peyton Manning's final season. Right, which is another reason why I say this is probably a make-or-break season for the Denver Broncos. You know, last three years they win the division, two playoff wins in those three years. You know, a pair of one and duns, and then got absolutely embarrassed in the Super Bowl. And that window is closing fast, and I think Denver's further away from a Super Bowl than an any of the three previous years uh, with Peyton Manning there. So what's your win total? I, I'm i going to go ahead and say 10 and 6. And, you know, I'm going to go ahead. I'm, I'm going to go for it. You know, it's fun to go out on a limb a little bit. And if, if it's wrong, then so be it. But I'm going to say San Diego wins the division at 10 and 6. Yeah, I mean that's that wouldn't be shocking. I, I really don't think it'd be shocking. I pretty much echo mostly everything that you said about the the, the Broncos. I, I'm worried about the O line. Um, defensive transition is going to be different, and then they're going to have to they're going to have to run the ball more. So ultimately, I think that means you know a slight decline from Peyton Manning is going to be really hard to overcome. I don't see this being a 12 win team anymore. I also think they go 10 and six. I do think they win the division with that, but I don't think that they're um, a massive play a Super Bowl contender this year. I think that there are teams that will definitely challenge them. I, I'd be a, not shocked if they won a playoff game, um, but I do think that this is a team that's probably one and done in the playoffs. 
more likely than not, depending on who they match up against um, in that first game. I just I don't see the upside of this team like in past years, like you said. And I I basically I would be stunned if this team won a Super Bowl just because of that offensive line. I don't see how it's going to survive. Um, teams like the Ravens, the Dolphins, the Patriots. Um, you know the Colts have a pretty terrible defense, but you know they're still going to have to score with that type of team. And they've so, gotten closer to the Super Bowl. Right. You know, it's right. pretty funny how that works. A bad defense, and they've actually gotten closer and closer to the Super Bowl, while Denver's had a good defense, and they've seemingly gotten further away. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm going to go with 10-6 and six as well. Okay. Uh, and, by the way, Chargers and Broncos, two of the last five games against each other. So could division could come down to those two games, especially Week 17. So looking forward to that. So there we ha- uh, and one more thing I wanted to mention too, you know, even at 10 and 6, you know, say they do win the division, that's probably only going to be good enough for a wild for a spot in the wild card round. I don't even think they can get a first round bye cuz you know, and we're you know, I'm kind of getting a little ahead of myself. We'll talk more about these in the coming weeks, but probably looking at the Patriots might have a better record and even the Colts. You know, those two could very well be yep. You know, at least the two favorites right now for the first round by. So we could be looking at Denver hosting uh, a wild card game. So that's one uh, one division down. Seven to go. I, you know, good start so far. Now we're going to move on to the NFC West. And, you know, same way we'll go kind of bottom to top from last season. So we'll start. With the St. Louis Rams, and the Rams, of course, probably the big move they made this offseason was the swap at quarterback, trading Sam Bradford to the Eagles, getting Nick Foles uh, in return. Uh, a couple of a couple of their key uh, free agent signings brought back Kenny Britt, brought back Lance Kendricks, and then signed Akeem Ayers and a guy. That I, a guy I thought was a pretty good signing and could really help that defensive line, as if that defensive line needed any more help, uh, is Nick Fairley. This this could be a dark horse team in the NFC West, you know, with how San Francisco is kind of falling off, and we'll get to them in a little bit. Uh, we don't know what to expect with Arizona. S- St. Louis could be a bit of a dark horse. You know, if if Nick Foles can kind of keep the ship afloat, and in an offense like Jeff Fisher's, you know, that shouldn't be too hard. You know, we're not talking a complex system like Chip Kelly. You know, Jeff Fisher's kind of, you know, I don't want to say basic, but not as complex, I don't think, than uh, Chip Kelly. You know, the receiving group is pretty good. Offensive line is, we'll see. It's a mystery. It's a yeah, mystery because there's a lot a of new faces. You know, as we know, they spent a lot of draft picks uh, on offensive line. They'd what spent second round pick on Rob Havenstein, third rounder yep. on Jamon Brown, fourth rounder on yep. Andrew Donnell, sixth rounder on Cody Weichman, and they just spent a supplemental pick on Isaiah Battle. So they yep. knew they had a the problem on offensive line and are trying to 
trying to get it back up. It's, at least on the left, on the on the right side, excuse me. Left side is pretty set. Greg Robinson is turning into a good left tackle. Roger Saffold has really improved his game since getting moved inside to guard. Um, you know, still two good tight ends, Jared Cook and Lance Kendricks. Todd Gurley, when when he comes back, is just going to be a outstanding running back, I think, for them. And then we all know about the defense. This Rams defense has been good for the last couple of years, and it's going to continue to be good. So what do you think on the Rams? I am not too optimistic on this offense. Um, it's a lot of change, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. This is a team that needed to change. But as much as I like what they did as far as addressing the offensive line, I don't really like the talent that they got. Um, uh, Andrew Donnell to me was the best lineman that they drafted. And to me, he's just a spot starter at that. So, uh, obviously I could be very proven wrong on this, but I just don't see a team, you know, I'm not a Nick Foles fan at all either. You know, I, I thought that studying him, I saw a lot of issues just with basics. I mean, footwork, accuracy, decision making in a very sim, in a, Somewhat complex system, but it's also simplified. I mean, it's, it's very quarterback friendly. Mark Sanchez really showed that you know a below average quarterback can look almost pretty decent at times in Chip Kelly's system. And Foles struggled in that twenty in twenty fourteen. And I thought that a lot of his twenty thirteen production was kind of lucky and and kind of just situation more than it was him doing the heavy lifting. So I'm I I didn't like him coming out of college, and I'm just. You know, it's been it's been a tough time for me to to see the light with Foles. Um, they're building a power run offense in a time where it's a pass heavy league, and I'm not sure I like that with the talent that they've amassed. As good as Todd Gurley is, they already had Trade Mason, uh, Isaiah Pede, um, Malcolm Brown is a guy they got as an unrestricted free agent after the draft, and. It's just a, it's a very heavy backfield, and I, I'm just not sure Todd Gurley was really necessary um, for this team to advance. So I, I'm, I'm a little bit pessimistic on this team. I, I think it's as a six six to seven win team. As good as that defensive line is, uh, there's just a lot of questions on that at that linebacker and and defensive back positions. It's a lot of question marks to me, and, and unless if they were to gel, gel pretty quickly, I I just don't see this being a, a playoff contender. Yeah, Todd Gurley was certainly a surprise pick. You know, I thought they would maybe go somewhere like cornerback or whatever. Maybe you know, a guy like um, as I'm drawing a blank on his name, the kid out of Michigan State. Oh, Trey Waynes. Trey yep. Waynes, thank you. Could have gone Waynes. They could have gone Marcus Peters. Um, you know, with guys like um, you know, I only thought that because you have guys like. Uh, Janoris Jenkins and Tremaine Johnson both hitting free agency next season. So I thought maybe they'd, they'd go corner to maybe as a bit of an insurance policy uh, on those guys. Uh, but this is, you know, you know we'll, we'll see with this team. You know, Jeff Fisher might, you know, he may have done more with less. Uh, and they, it's it's interesting, uh, what the Rams want to do with Nick Foles as far as contract goes. There's reports that they want to give him, what, I think like 12 to 14 million a year, 
I think was the report, but it's probably going to be one of those pay-as-you-go type deals like we see with Andy Dalton and with Colin Kaepernick. Uh, overall, this is you know probably seven, maybe eight-win team. Like I said, you know they they could be dark. They could win, get to nine wins maybe, but it really comes down to what Nick Foles can do and how that offensive line holds up. Because like, like you said, this is you know a mystery. I think that's a good way to put it because you you bring in all these new faces. We don't know what the configuration is going to be and how productive they are going to be, especially in the division. You know, again, we're going to keep in the same thing theme as the AFC West. We're talking a division that has some pretty good defenses and good pass rush, namely the Seattle Seahawks, who, by the way, the Rams opened the season against week one. So I think we'll get a good, a good view right away, you know, what this offensive line might be able to do against top-tier competition. Yeah, we'll definitely see, and that's going to be something to to absolutely watch uh, moving forward. Uh, yeah, I, you said earlier you got them as about a six-win team. Yeah, I'll yeah, I like think, seven I think or six, eight. Seven or eight. Yeah, I think I think that's fair, and it it really depends on how that unit comes together. Um, you know, if they prove to be a dominant running line. That could really change the picture because the defense probably won't give up, you know, a ton of points per game. Um, and, and at that point, if they're that effective with Gurley and Mason, then all of a sudden Nick Foles doesn't have to do hardly jack, you know, you know, a significant amount of work. And that would be a much brighter outlook, I think. And and you kind of talked about this, touched about on this, and it'll move us into our next team, the San Francisco 49ers. This is a team I think that's in decline, and and obviously they had the off season from hell last year, mm-hmm. and uh, you just you, they downgraded so many positions, and not really by their own fault, except for one, which was head coach. I thought that that the move from Harbaugh was absolutely ridiculous. Um, Jim Tomsula, he may be a good coach, but I'm sorry. I really highly doubt he's going to be the coach that Jim Harbaugh was. That'll definitely remain to be seen, whether that's the case or not. And just looking at this roster, this went from a very good offensive line to one with with some question marks on it. Got a couple young guys, Brandon Thomas and Marcus Martin, that most of draft Twitter really liked. I mean, I I personally love these two guys. Um, But it's still a major role increase, and and we've talked about this on past episodes before. What's going to happen at right tackle? We don't know. Anthony Davis stepping away. Um, is is the Carlos Hyde, Reggie Bush experiment going to go smoothly? I, I, I do think it will, especially because Hyde is just so talented. Um, is Colin Kaepernick the real deal quarterback? You know, that's just the offensive questions. I mean, that's a lot of questions. We, we just talked about this with the Rams. We bring it to the 49ers. That's just a lot of questions. And and it's in a league where if you're not getting considerably better, you're usually getting worse. You know, time doesn't advance like it does in Madden, where your players just automatically get better. And I don't think that it's it would be reasonable to expect this 
offense to magically be better just because Greg Roman is gone and, and, you know, they lost three starters along the offensive line. Like that, that doesn't add up to me. And, you know, defensively they had similar losses. The secondary is a complete unknown outside of Antoine Bethay, who's a very good safety. Um, Aldon Smith hasn't been the same guy in two years. Navarro Bowman coming off an Achilles tear. Darnell Dockett was injured last year. I mean, I, I just I think this is a sleeper team for a top five pick. Um, Tom Stola, you know, offensive coordinator Jeep Christ. It's just I, I don't trust this group at all. Honestly, I, I don't like I don't really like Kaepernick a whole lot. Um, I, I think that he was really good when he had elite playmakers around him. Um, and he doesn't have that anymore. So I'm pretty concerned that, that he's going to struggle outside of his comfort zone. Um, I, I honestly think this is a five or six win team this year. I'm just looking at the list of free agent losses for the 49ers uh, on NFL.com, and they ranked their top 101 free agents. Just to give you give you kind of an idea what the 49ers lost. Six of the free agent losses for the 49ers were actually ranked among the top 101 on NFL.com. Five of them were in the top 32, including number five, Mike Eupati, who's now in Arizona. Number 20, Michael Crabtree, who talked about him in Oakland. And then Chris Culliver, 28, in Washington. And then, you know, Mr. Uh, Proves Us Wrong Every Year, Frank Gore was ranked 32, and he's now with the Colts after his, what, two-day tour of, if or if that one-day tour of Philadelphia. Right. Um, but, yeah, this is, you know, you, you put it perfectly. This was the off-season of hell, off-season from hell for the 49ers. You know, a lot of, you know, obviously losing a lot of guys to retirement like Patrick Willis like um, Chris Borland and a couple others. So really don't know what to expect from this defense. Uh, Eric Armstead, you know, could fit at, uh, at defensive end for them, but it, it just felt like, you know, that was the pick. I think that's why a lot of mock drafts had pegged Armstead because it just felt like it was going to happen because they needed somebody – uh, at defensive end or along D line, you know, brings a mentioned Justin Smith, another guy that had really been productive and now he's gone. So where do how do they replace all this production? Offensive line had struggled I think last year. And that was with a guy like Mikey Upaldi in the starting lineup and with a guy like Anthony Davis. Now you have guys you know, I, and I was—I liked Brandon Thomas too. I thought that was a real—I guess we'll say luxury pick. You know, I—I I really thought that was a nice pick for them to kind of stash for a year and bring them in when they needed to. I don't think they expected it this early, you know, with the, the early, with the departure of Iwapati. But now I guess Thomas is going to be in play for a starting job. Marcus Martin, you mentioned at center. And again, who, who's going to be at right tackle? Is it going to be Derek Pierce? Is it going to be Trent Brown, the seventh-round rookie? We don't know. Alex Boone, you know, 
And, and it's not like Colin Kaepernick has been constantly moving forward either. I think he's kind of taken a step back as well, as we've alluded to before. So this is a this could be a rough season uh, in San Francisco, which we would have we never thought after a team coming off, what, three straight NFC Championship appearances uh, before last season. You know, it, it's just amazing how quickly of a downfall. And it just goes to show how fast things change in the NFL. You, you know, you could go from the top one moment, you know, the top of the food order, top of the food chain, one season, and you're right at the bottom the next. And we could be looking at that with the 49ers, over, you know, with the 8-8 eight and eight season last year after the three tile games. And now... I'm kind of with you. I think six wins, maybe. You know, I it, this doesn't look like a team that's going to get to eight and eight. I don't think they're going to be that, you know, bad, bad. Like, you know, two, three wins. You know, I've seen some people say, you know, this might be like a three and thirteen team. I don't think they're going to be that bad because there's still some talent on this team. You know, Torrey Smith at wide receiver. You know that, that was a good pickup, and Quan Bolden is still productive. So they're they're going to win some games. They're just not going to win enough games, especially in this division. I think teams like Arizona and Seattle are going to chew them up and spit them out. It's going to be a long year for the 49ers. So absolutely. So it's it's. It'll be interesting, is especially if that team. It'd be funny if that team were to gel together now and prove a lot of people wrong. <laughs> yeah, we everyone would have egg on their face, but hey, yeah, you know, it wouldn't be the first like time happens. we've had egg on their face. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that you happens. Know, New England, yeah, everyone that rolled perfectly last year. Yeah, there was literally an article talking about how Tom Brady's career in the Patriots uh, dynasty was was definitely over, and that well, was uh, I was one of the. I know I was saying the same thing too. I was thinking, oh man, this this is ugly, and Brady's done. Pat's dynasty is done. This is it. Yep. Yeah, we all feel stupid now. <laughs> pretty pretty much. Uh, moving on to a team that looked like world beaters the first ten weeks of the season, and then things just completely fell apart on them from nine and one to one and done in the playoffs. And that, of course, was the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, they ended up finishing 11-5 and and you know bowed out early to the Panthers. This, of course, after they got down to their third-string quarterback last season after the ACL tear to Carson Palmer and then the injury to Drew Stanton, who actually played pretty well last season. I was surprised. I didn't think Stanton had that in him, but he, he really surprised me and really helped keep this team afloat. And that's a credit to Bruce Arians and how good of a coach he is. You know, that he, you know, not just the play of Drew Stanton, but the fact that, you know, they were able to get this kind of play from Stanton and even Ryan Lindley, keep the ship afloat and still get this team to the playoffs. They may have stumbled into the playoffs, but they still got there. Uh, we just might, we just talked about Mike Upaldi. He's now in Arizona Definitely going to help that offensive line. You know, him and uh, Jared Veld here, real nice 
uh, along the left side, I think. Right side's an issue. Jonathan Cooper, as we know, has, hasn't exactly lived up to his top 10 draft pick status. Right tackle, Bobby Massey's the favorite right now. You know, we, we thought DJ Humphreys, they picked him, and he would just slot right in there. But Humphreys are going to have to work for it, you know. Massey's not going down without a fight. You know, so we'll we'll see what happens there. Defense, interesting. You know, cornerbacks and secondary obviously got some talent there. Hopefully we see improvement from Patrick Peterson and Gerard Powers, Teron Matthew, you know, especially with the loss of Antonio Cromartie. Back to the Jets, Darnell Dockett's gone, Ted Ginn's gone, Dan Williams. I think he's an underrated loss for this Cardinals team because now the question is where does his how do you how do you replace him and his production at nose tackle? Is it a guy like you know, Alameda Taamu? Is it, you know, one of their free agent signings in Corey Peters? That's going to be an interesting. It's going to be interesting to watch them on defense, especially now that Todd Bowles, who really got a lot out of this unit, for you know, for a group of players that we didn't think can do all that much, Todd Bowles really got a lot out of them. He's with the Jets now, so is, is there reason for optimism in Arizona? You know, now that Carson Palmer's back and knowing how good this team was and basically what could have been had he not gotten hurt. Yeah, it's a shame. I feel like we were robbed of a really fun um a really fun opportunity to see an upstart program and, and franchise. Yeah, and I can't really say that because I mean this is a team that you know you know was in a Super Bowl not too long ago, but I still feel like this is this is a situation where, you know, under Ken Wisenhunt this team and franchise kind of lost their um, their path a little bit, and Bruce Arians comes in and, and does a fantastic job, and Carson Palmer's re-energized and looks great. You know, so what exactly, you know, could this team have been? I I, I don't know, and I wish we could have seen it because this could have been your NFC champion. For all we, we know, we could have had, we could have actually seen a team host and play in the Super Bowl, and that would just be the coolest thing, I think. It would uh, be, yeah. I, I, I've always wanted to see that. I was, I was hoping dearly for it a few years ago when the when Miami was the location of the Super Bowl, and uh, the Dolphins had another stinker of a season. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I. Now looking back and now kind of looking at the roster and seeing what this team did over the offseason, um, I like the signing of Mike Ayupati. I like the DJ Humphreys pick. Um, I don't like it short term, but I do like it long term. I think he can be a franchise tackle. Yeah. Um, obviously getting back Carson Palmer is the key. It's the key to it all. Drew Stanton, like you said, did respectable for a backup quarterback. I mean, you really can't expect a guy to do too much more than what he did. Um, David Johnson's a nice addition to the running back position. Andre Ellington needs to stay healthy, but if he does stay healthy, 
he's going to be better than what he was last year. I just I I worry about this defense. You mentioned the loss of Todd Bowles. I have the utmost respect for Todd Bowles as a, as a defensive coordinator. Um, I saw firsthand what he did in Miami for a while as the uh, secondary coach. I think that he, I think that he's going to be a great head coach, and I think that his presence will be missed dearly um, in Arizona. Uh, and that's that's nothing against James Betcher, but um, you know, like I said, I've seen I've seen the work of Bulls for years, so I'm very comfortable with him. Uh, this linebacker group is is really poor. Yeah, it's I actually good. ranked it as the worst linebacker group in the NFL. Marcus Golden in the second round was a shocking decision. Um, I actually like Shaquille Riddick, their fifth round pick, more as a pass rusher. And you know they added Lamar Woodley, who didn't do a whole lot for Oakland last year. He was fat and out of shape, looked slow. Uh, unless if this team gets Daryl Washington back, that front seven is going to be a big concern. It, it really is. Mm-hmm. Um, the secondary, losing Antonio Cromartie, it's a big loss. You, it's hard to replace 900 snaps at the cornerback position with a player that spent five to 600 snaps there because everyone else behind him moves up now. And now you're having to fill the guy who played 600 snaps with a guy who played 200 snaps. And it just creates it creates a depth issue. Patrick Peterson, one of the more overrated cornerbacks in the NFL, um, he's up for any challenge, but he's not that great of a cornerback. I, I just I see a big drop-off in this defense is, is really what I'm getting to. Yeah. Um, they had to blitz a ton last year just to be productive against the pass. And they did well, but I just don't think that that's a formula that is sustainable. I think this is an eight-win team. I think this team takes a step back. Um, they have the pieces to be better, but I don't think their offseason was a positive step in the right direction enough. I think they had the opportunity, and they just didn't hit enough doubles to home runs. I think they tried to hit a lot of singles. And I don't think that's enough for this roster. Yeah. Uh, and going back a little bit to the uh, linebackers, Kevin Minter, I thought, was a guy that, you know, maybe was going to do a lot more than he has. You know, unfortunately, he hasn't shown a whole lot in his first couple of years. So he's another reason why this this linebacking core is a huge question mark, especially when you talk about a division where you're going to face Todd Gurley or Trey Mason, whoever the Rams running back is, twice a year. You face Marshawn Lynch twice a year, Carlos Hyde. Uh, and then this team, this division also plays the NFC North. So you, they're going to see Adrian Peterson. They're going to see Eddie Lacy. So there's a lot of good competition that this team is going to face that they might not be ready for. I guess the good thing, if there's a silver lining about the Todd Bowles, you know, moving on, is that at least they kept it in within the organization, you know, promoting James Bechter or Bechter, I'm sorry, to defensive coordinator. So there's at least going to be that little bit of stability. But is he going to be able to provide the coaching that Bowles did? Is he going to be able to get out? 
what Bowles was able to get out of these units. I don't know. I, I'm going to say, you know, maybe 9-7 and seven for this team. You know, they they definitely overachieved, I thought, last year. And again, that goes back to Bruce Arians coaching and Todd Bowles coaching. But this was definitely an overachieving team that is probably going to come back to earth a little bit, you know, after after what they went through last year and some of the question marks that they have going into this season. So that's, what, 17? Brings minutes. us to, uh, yeah, brings us to the NFC champion of last year, Seattle Seahawks. Uh, like you said, that's seven teams down that we've covered tonight. I think it's time for the eighth and potentially best that's, of all of them. I agree, yep. What's uh, what's your outlook for the Seattle Seahawks roster in in 2015? Uh, pretty much bringing everybody back, I think. You know, I don't think they lost. Well, let's lost, see, they, uh, they lost they James lost Max. Carpenter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Max obviously, Byron Maxwell. Yeah, the, probably the biggest loss. But you know, yeah. the coaching they have and. Obviously, the talent outside of Maxwell, I think, is going to be more than enough to kind of, you know, make up for the loss of Maxwell. You know, even if they put in the, I mean, it is a bit of a question mark because, you know, the unfortunate injury to Jeremy Lane in the Super Bowl, and there's reports that he suffered a setback, so he may not be ready for a week. He may end up starting on the pup list, so it's a little bit of a question mark. But when you have a guy like Richard Sherman on one side and a guy like Cam Chance guys like Cam Chance and Earl Thomas in the middle you, you can afford I think to have that little bit of a question mark at, le at least in the early going and we can only hope that Jeremy Lane comes back sooner rather than later because he, he was obviously he was having a pretty good season and you know he was having a great Super Bowl for the short time he was in there because I think he ended up making a yeah, because that was on an interception, wasn't it? I think. I the, believe so. Yeah, the injury yeah. occurred on an interception, so really unfortunate. Um, and but but overall, this offense is still, you know, or the the roster still looks good. Yeah, they brought in Kerry Williams, who's kind of, you know, as a guy obviously watching the Eagles, I kind of have been burned by Kerry Williams. Uh so not too much as far as free agents go. The uh, the Frank Clark pick, I know a lot of people thought was pretty interesting, especially with the trouble that Clark got into. So we'll see if you know what kind of impact he has, both short term and long term. There's been a lot of talk to, a lot of love early on for third round pick Tyler Lockett, and this was a guy they actually traded up in round three to get, you know, likely, likely to be their uh, punt returner at least, or maybe even kick returner as well. But I, I just read a report, I, you know, I just read a blurb on Roto World. Seattle also seems to like his route running. So this could be a guy that maybe, uh, Maybe challenges for that number three, or the, I guess the slot receiver spot. Yeah. You know, challenging Ricardo Lockett. 
inside of guys like Doug Baldwin and Jermaine Curse. And obviously the big question is Russell Wilson going into a contract year. We, you know, we're going through all these talks of how much money is he going to be worth and how much of his contract is going to be guaranteed. He's he's obviously going to play it out, I think, and just kind of play off you know, any kind of talk. Right now he's more worried about uh, hosting the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Sports Awards, so that should be interesting for him. Um, but offensive line, for as good as this roster is, there's still a little bit of a question mark along the offensive line, more so on the right side. Now, Justin Britt was okay at right tackle, you know, so we'll see how he does in the second year. J.R. Sweezy at right guard, we're not sure what's going to go on at center. But when you have a guy like Jimmy Graham, and, you know, things are okay. You know, that was the big trade, but obviously to gain something, you got to give up something, and that's where the loss of Max Unger came from as well in getting Jimmy Graham. So, you know, we'll see what happens, but obviously, without a doubt, this is still one of the top teams in the NFC. Yeah. What's your win total on this team? Well, let's see. They were 12-4 and four last year. Uh, they did bring in Jimmy Graham. Easier division, too. At least uh, from, what, from what we're projecting, I think yeah. this is easier division. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with that win total. I'm going to say 12-4. and four. I'm gonna go ahead I like and... it. Yeah, I like it. I think I'm going to stick with the same. Um, defensively, the only concern I have is Kerry Williams. Um, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Offensively, I have a hot take, and I said this after the draft. I think the two best receivers on this roster are Tyler Lockett and Chris Matthews. And that may seem crazy. We've seen one game out of Chris Matthews. But boy, he did one. Yeah, and he did more than anything that Doug Baldwin or Jermaine Curse have ever done. So... <laughs> I mean, those guys have come up with the occasional big play, and, and you know, I respect that. And they've been able to earn full-time jobs mm-hmm. um, starting, but they're just not dynamic. And I, Tyler Lockett, to me, he's a tremendous route runner. For sure, I think for sure he's the best route runner on this team um, already. His explosiveness is going to be a welcome change. Um, he's, he will have issues with drops because he's so small and his hands are so small, but that is what it is, and you live with that with a player like that. He's also going to be a nice punt return force as well. Um, obviously, the addition of Jimmy Graham is going to just, I think that's going to really change things for Russell Wilson. Um, between those three guys and then also Jermaine Curse, more so than Doug Baldwin, this is a pretty good receiving unit. This is better than anything that Wilson's ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, though, the offensive line is probably the worst he's had. Losing Unger hurts. Alvin Bailey at guard, J.R. Sweezy at guard, and whoever plays center, yikes. Yikes. I mean, Tom Cable, the offensive coordinator, has his work cut out for him. Um, Good luck. (laughs) You know, Russell Wilson, he's a very good player, but the one thing I will say about him is that he likes to leave the pocket early and often, um, oftentimes when he doesn't need to. And I think that's only going to continue to get worse with the line like this. Um, and a guy like Marshawn Lynch, look, 
we're all hoping that this is a, a player that can stay healthy. We all love Marshawn Lynch, but if he goes down, is Robert Turbin, Christine Michael, Rod Smith, Thomas Rawls, are those guys going to be enough to kind of fill any type of gap that a potential Lynch injury would create? I, 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 I just don't know. Right. I really don't know. So I agree, though. I think this is a 12-win team. Ultimately, it's just way too much firepower, way too good um, offensively and defensively, and the division has gotten worse. So I think this team cruises to a division title. Um, cruises into the playoffs with 12 wins, and I think that they may be the favorite to get back to the Super Bowl for a third straight year in the NFC. I'm really looking forward to uh, week two when Seattle visits Green Bay. Oh, it's a great game last year. Don't have to wait long for the... (coughs) Excuse me. Don't have to wait long for that big rematch. Uh, But yeah, you know... like we said, probably one of the favorites. And yeah, going back to running back, I just want to mention too. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of sucked that we've had all this hype for Kristen Michael, and it's just never panned out. I remember there was you know Twitter and everyone was just in love with Michael. I remember there was a time where uh, I think it was like a couple of years ago in some fantasy drafts, his ADP was like eighth round. You know, there was just so much hype on Michael. Yeah. Obviously that hype train has long parted, long departed. And now he's sitting, you know, like you said, even behind Turbin. So yeah, if Lynch ever goes down, you're probably looking at some kind of committee, you know, neither of those guys, I mean, both have a little bit of talent. So you're going to, get both those guys in there you're not going to make either one of them the bell cow you know it, it could be a 50 50 split so it's something and like you said you know we don't want to see injuries happen to anyone we, we'd rather see lynch fully healthy and eating his skittles all day every day but uh yeah definitely one of the favorites to get back to the super bowl will they maybe I'll hold off on that, but they're, you know, it's, it'll be interesting to watch. So, with that, that completes this week. That's eight teams down, two divisions down, six to go. Next week, we will talk about the two Souths. You know, so certainly a lot of the quarterbacks we'll be talking about next week, and uh, should be a good time. So. Good talking to you as always, Ian. Hey, is there anything you got going on? Anything you want to plug or anything you want to uh, say before we leave? I don't think so. Just uh, another great week, and uh, thank everybody for listening. If you guys have any questions, just send them in to our Twitter. Um, we'd be more than happy to answer, and um, definitely send what you think is going to happen too. If you disagree with our predict- predictions and projections, and let us know. Definitely, uh, I'm sure we're going to be wrong on about half of them. So <laughs> it's okay. That's it's okay. okay we, we expect it. That's if, right. If so. we were perfect on everything, we'd be living in Las Vegas. That's right. We'd be the new Matt Harmon working for NFL.com. Yeah, who, by, by the, the way, way, his his Avi is just oh, that fire. Abby, though. Oh, it's ridiculous. My God. God bless you, Matt Har- Harmon. If you're listening to this, we love you, brother. <laughs> Glad to see you doing big things and. 
looking fresh in that avatar. <laughs> but yeah, like like he said, you know, if you want to ask us anything or if you have some questions, you know, for a division, like next week, if you want to ask, you know, if you're curious what you think is going to happen with the Colts offensive line or something, so send them in. But in any event, until next week, he is Ian Wharton at NFL Film Study. I am Bill Rossetti at Bill underscore Rossetti. And until next time, we will see you then. Have a good week. Stay gold. <laughs>